Hello, hola, and konnichiwa. I am your host, Daniel Gumby Freeland, and this is the Prelim Primer, the one and only podcast fully dedicated to the curtain jerkers. Of course, I'm talking about those fighting on the prelims of upcoming UFC fight cards. This weekend is Holm versus Aldana on Fight Island. It's an exciting main card, but really, as you guys know, we are going to be all focused on those prelims, which, let me tell you something on this card, might be just as exciting as the main card. So, for those of you who might be new to the show, though, let's talk a little bit about why we focus so much on the prelims. You, you first of all, have a place where you probably go for the main card breakdown. You probably have a place where you go and get all of that information. Plus, you know a lot of these fighters on the main card. But you don't know a ton about these guys on the prelims, and that's where you can make a bunch of money in both daily fantasy sports and gambling. And speaking of daily fantasy sports and gambling, this episode is brought to you by AJ's Action Pack Sports Bets. You can find him at AJ's Action Pack Sportsbets.com. That link, of course, is in the show notes. And he's so much more than just a company that offers gambling advice or his picks every single week. Instead, he provides you the insight, all of the ideas behind why you pick, who you pick. He gives you an education in gambling and playing daily fantasy sports that you just can't get anywhere else. I highly suggest him, but if you don't want to take my word for it, check out all of his customer reviews at AJ'sActionPackSportsBets.com and get some help with those bets. You certainly won't be sorry you did. Now, as always, I have to be joined by a co-host for this show. Couldn't do it without one. This week, I'm joined by Fanside and MMA's Benjamin Abrigo. Benjamin, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me, man. Always a pleasure. All right, and as you guys know, we start each and every round by putting five minutes on the clock. And we're going to start this round by talking about Carlos Condit versus Court McGee. Carlos Condit has actually lost five straight fights to Robbie Lawler, uh, Demian Maya, Neil Magny, Cowboy Oliveira, and Michael Chiesa. A hell of a murderer's row. His last win was against Tiago Alves in May of 2015. Court McGee, not actually all that much better. One in four in his last five. Back-to-back losses to Diego Lima and Sean Brady. It's been two years since he beat Alex Garcia, and then a couple of losses before that as well. It's kind of a huge fall for Grace for both, but a really big one for Condit. Is there anything in that five-year span here that you think we can spin into a positive and maybe have a good outlook on here? For for Carlos Condit, it's it's pretty rough to have a good outlook on him. I guess if if you're going with Court McGee here, which, spoiler alert, I think I am, as, as sad it makes me to say, um, it's just Court McGee has been busy, you know? He's been fighting often. And he actually didn't look terrible against Sean Brady, who I think most people are rightfully super, super high on. So, you know, both guys have obviously not looked well uh, lately, but at least Court McGee still seems to be pretty freaking durable. Um, he knows how to stick to a game plan, so I think that's a positive. Uh, you know, if you're a Condit fan, hopefully you're, you're trying to see some more natural-born killerness out of him. Yeah, and I think, too, the thing about McGee, in addition to his, like, toughness in here, too, is that if you're looking at the guys he's losing to, they're guys who he can't he can't bully in the grappling department, right? He, he likes to put guys against the cage. He likes to take guys down. You're not going to do that to Sean Brady, and to a similar extent, although, you know, obviously a much less extent, you're not going to do that to Diego Lima. So, like, back-to-back, he's had guys who are kind of tough to do that to. And then before that, he fought Alex Garcia, who's a little bit easier to do that to, and that's when he got his last win. Carlos Condit kind of notoriously is, like, sort of easy to take down and doesn't have a lot of answers off his back, which, I mean, like, just, it it makes me feel so bad here, but I I think I'm with you. I think I'm leaning Court McGee. 
Uh, is that going to be your official pick? Are you going to take Court McGee? And if so, how? Yeah, I think McGee can, can pressure Condit here, get inside of his kicks and stay out of trouble on the mat. So I'm going to go with McGee, McGee by pretty close decision, I think. I wouldn't be surprised if Condit gets off on the feet a little bit. Yeah, and I wouldn't be surprised, too, if he gets off on the feet both early and if for some reason McGee is tired late. Because you said he's durable, but also sometimes he looks pretty sluggish towards the end. So I, I can definitely see Condit pouring it on late and making it a little interesting. Uh, and that brings us to our second fight, which is Charles Jordan versus Josh Colabao. Jordan won into in the UFC, but it's a pretty good roster of guys he's fought here. He lost to Des Green, knocked out Duhu Choi, and then only lost by split decision to Andre Feely. Colabao made his UFC debut back in February where he got TKO'd by Jalen Turner, so he's 0-1 in the UFC. My question here is, Jordan seems to be kind of fun and flashy on the feet. How do you like that style against a guy like Colabao? Uh, against a guy like Kolobau, I think it's going to work well. Um, I just think, I know Kolobau made his UFC debut up a weight class, and he's going to be a little bit more even-sized here compared to Jordan. But Jordan is just the, as far as I can tell, the much better athlete, the much harder hitter. Um, and, you know, we saw him in a super close, fun fight with Andre Feely. So it's hard for me to imagine him, you know, this this feels a big step down in competition for him. So I think he's going to really kind of shine here against Kolobau, who has a really tough start to his UFC career. Yeah, it's it suffering my turn. But, like, you're, you're right. Jordan is taking a big deserve you get that list of people. I mean, like, he knocked out Duhu Choi. That automatically pulls you up the list quite a ways. So, like, knowing that and then having that close fight with Feely, which, by the way, I think Feely won. It's a split decision, but still, I think Feely won. I think the, the path to victory for most people against Jordan is going to have to be trying to make him wrestle because he is a fun striker and... And I think that that's what Feely did so well, is that Feely mixed it up and went back and forth. I just don't see Colabau being the type of guy who can do that, right? Like, he doesn't seem to have enough dimension to his grappling game and the way he interplays it with his striking that I think it's it's probably going to be on the feet the whole time, and I think he's going to be outclassed. So um, I'm going with Jordan. I'm going to go with him by knockout. Who you got and how you got him? Same exact thing. I like Jordan by knockout, TKO. I, I could see this being super fun, though, because Kulabau did look at least, like, tough, even though he was totally physically outmatched in his UFC debut. Um, I think he's pretty durable, but I still like Jordan by, by stoppage. Yeah, and I, I will echo those statements, too. I've been had my eye on Kulabau for a while, too, all the way back when he was in Hex in, in uh, Australia, and, and I think he's, like, very fun to watch, and, and it's just absolutely unfortunate that these are the two matchups he got out the gate, because... You know, in another world, we might be looking at him in Fight of the Nights that are, like, very exciting and, and building him a fan base. But with that being said, we are going to take a quick break, and we will be right back with round number two. All right, guys, this is just a reminder that this show is brought to you by AJ's Action Pack Sportsbets.com. That link is in the show notes. Also, remember to follow him on Twitter, at AJMMABetting, because he's giving all kinds of good stuff away there as well. And let me tell you a little bit about some of the stuff that he sends you. Because it's not just his picks every single week. It's not just his bets. But it's also pros and cons for each matchup. Some of his thoughts on the DraftKings matchups. And that, to me, is super helpful. Because I want to know who's going to be heavily owned. Who's not going to be owned all that much. Because that's really how you're going to cash in those big money games. And he's going to send that all to your inbox. Nice and neat. Each and every week. I highly suggest checking out his services at AJ's Action Pack Sports Bets. And we are back with round number two. I'm going to put another five minutes on the clock. And we're going to start this round by talking about Loma Luke Bume versus Jin Frey. 
Lukabume beat Alexandra Albu in her debut, but then followed that up with a loss to Angela Hill. Frey was looking good in her debut against Kay Hansen back in June, but eventually got subbed by a really impressive armbar. So obviously the, the part that interests me about this fight is I think both of these two women are, are very fun in the clinch. Their, their Muay Thai games are, are very fun, and it's going to be interesting to see how they play. Who do you think has the advantage when it comes to that, though? I think in the in the clinch, I got to go with Loma, just based on her like pretty traditional Thai skills. And I know um, Angela Hill actually found some success against her in the clinch. Um, but I think it's worth noting that both these women are former atom weights, and Jinyu Fry might still be bigger than Loma, but she's not going to be able to physically bully her around like like kind of like Angela Hill was able to do. Um, but in the clinch, in terms of technique, I like Loma's like striking and honestly some of the most beautiful sweeps and takedowns from the clinch that you're ever going to see. I, I definitely agree with that. I think she she is very exciting in the clinch. But you you mentioned it in there, right? Like the big drawback to her is that there is no atom weight division. Actually, for both of these two, that there is no atom weight division. It probably is going to hold Loma back a little bit. But you mentioned Frey has still got the the advantage here in size. How big of an advantage do you think that's going to be in those situations? I don't think it's going to be huge, to be honest. Uh, Fry, we think of as a pretty good wrestler, and she is a, a good takedown artist. Um, but she really leaned on that at 105. I think it'd be less defined here at strawweight, even though you know Loma is also, like I said, a former atom weight. I think it's going to be way less defined up at 115. Both these women are just not cutting a ton of weight. Um, so yes, I think Fry is probably the more physical, like it, she certainly looks the part to be more physical, but I don't think it's going to be enough here to like dominate physically like she was earlier in like her Invicta career, for example. And, and, and you mentioned too, you know, that she is seen as the better wrestler. It is worth noting that Loma stuffed three out of four of Angela Hill's takedowns, who is a very imposing 115. So you know, knowing that and knowing that she was able to stuff that, it certainly bodes well for her in this fight against somebody a little closer to her size. So we've come to that part of the uh, discussion, though. you got to give me who you like and how you like them. I'm going Loma by by decision here. I'll be honest, Jinyu Fry is a, has been a super important woman in, in like, worldwide atomweight rankings. But if I'm totally honest, if I were a judge, and I'm not a judge, but if I were a judge, I think Jinyu Fry had lost her last four fights, to be honest. Um, so I think she's just, on, unfortunately, at the tail end of her career, and I think Loma is on the up and up. Yeah, and I, I'm going to agree with you here. I'm going to take Loma. I'm going to take her by decision. I think the the gains that we've seen, even though she won her first one, lost her second one, I think the gains we saw in her in that time is enough to be super excited about where she is uh, in the sport. So I'm going to take her by decision. And that brings us to our fourth fight, which is Jordan Williams versus Nasoruddin Imovov. Williams, 9-3, making his debut. He beat Gregory Rodriguez back on September 15th as part of the Contender Series, his third shot in the Contender Series. Imovov, meanwhile, 8-2, making his debut. He's got five straight wins, and most recently, he beat Jonathan Munier at Aries 1 uh, over in Europe. It was his very first, or it was a first-round knockout, rather. Now, if we're breaking this fight down, this seems pretty simple for Jordan Williams, at least to me. It seems like his path to victory is probably try to wrestle Imovov up, pin him against the cage. Is that the path you think he's going to take? And if so, do you think it is one that is open for him to take? I think he's certainly going to flirt with that path to victory. Um, I don't know if it's entirely open, though. I mean, kind of Jordan Williams' story was right, the the type 1 diabetes, the fact that he doesn't cut weight. 
Um, and I think he's going to realize that the higher up he gets in the UFC, the harder it's going to be to impose his physicality, especially once to do a wrestling heavy game plan against guys. I don't know a ton about Imavov, but from what I've seen, he seems to be a, a pretty good athlete who hits hard. So part of me is kind of like, well, maybe Jordan Williams, maybe he's going to expose that Imavov has no idea how to wrestle and he'll be able to take him down immediately. But Honestly, I would not bet on that. And if I'm looking at the odds, this is this is one fight that I had circled as a potential upset. I actually just finished writing an article about why I like Nasruddin Imovov as an upset pick here, because for all the reasons you said, right? Like he's a he's a wrestle heavy guy, and it's just unfortunate that you know like type one di- diabetes has dealt dealt him such an ugly hand, because like he just also happens to have a style where he needs to be the bigger guy, he needs to be the physical guy. Imovov has good hips when people shoot takedowns, and his counter right hand is just so freaking mean. I, I just see him probably tagging Williams here and making it a short night. So I'm going to go Imovov. I'm going to go knockout probably early. I'll take him in the first. Uh, how about you? Who you got and how you got him? I was also impressed with Imovov's hand speed from what I saw. I like decision, though, just because Jordan Williams, like those contender series fights, he seems just tough to the max, but... Who knows? I I, I do like Imabob for the upset. All right, and that's going to do it for the end of our second round. We'll be right back with three fights as part of our third round. All right, guys, just a reminder that AJ's ActionPackSportsBets.com is the best place to get advice about gambling or daily fantasy sports. And you don't just have to take my word for it. Check out what the people are saying on his site. Let me give you just an example here from customer george i love customer george customer george says he's been following aj for several months and he's ultra impressive but honestly his winning selections and return on investment are not even the main reasons he's so great he break down breaks down and understands the matchups and that's what impressed me most it can be really hard to separate out your emotions and favorite fighters in the mma game but aj not only is able to do that but he's able to do that objectively and with pinpoint accuracy without letting his emotions get in the way And according to to George, he comes highly recommended in my book. He comes highly recommended in mine, Gumby's book as well. So check him out, ajsactionpacksportsbets.com. And we are back with round number three. I'm going to put another five minutes on the clock. And we're going to start this round by talking about Kyler Phillips versus Cameron Ellis. Phillips absolutely styled on Gabriel Silva in his debut back in February, looking real good. Uh, else, 10 and 4 making his UFC debut. He's got six straight wins, all of them by first round finish. His last fight came in Fusion FC back in February. If you're just doing the cursory look at Cameron Else's resume, those six wins, very impressive because they're all coming in the first round, but they are all against very low level competition. So here's my question for you Do you think the skills transfer here, or is he just a guy who's good enough to beat up like the 0 3 guys on London Regionals? Maybe he's going to prove me wrong, but I think it's the latter. You know, it's it's I did like try to watch some of his fights or I did watch his actual performances. So I'm not just going completely off of tapology, but man, even going completely off of tapology, those opponents, three and 14, oh, and one, four and oh, oh, and oh. And if you look even further down on his record, his losses come when he fights guys with legitimate records mm. um, and taking all that away. Like Kyler Phillips looks to be a fucking stud. Uh, he's super fun, super aggressive, striking, can grapple, the total package. So I think Cameron Ellis is just completely outclassed here. 
Me too. I, I do want to shout out the fact that Cameron Ells does have wins over both Dylan the Nuke Took and uh, Patty Pimblett. Although that was sort of way early in both of their careers, and, and he kind of caught him real early in fights. Like, one of them lasted 35 seconds, one of them lasted 20. So, like, he caught young guys making mistakes. But that being said, yeah, I totally agree with you. In the fights that I've seen, the one in Brave, you know, like the one in, in uh, the not the last one in Fusion FC, but the one before that, I just wasn't real impressed. I think Kyler Phillips wins this any way he wants. I, I'm going to take him by finish. I, I like a TKO in, let's say, the second round. How about you? Yeah, I like even first-round TKO. I think Kyler Phillips takes him down, ground and pound, finish. All right, and that brings us to Casey Kenny versus Haile Alatang. Casey Kenny, 3-1 and one in the UFC. He beat Ray Borg, Manny Bermudez, and most recently, Louis Smolka, with only a decision loss to Marab Devalishvili in the middle there, which absolutely no shame in that. Alatang, kind of a quiet 2-0 and in the UFC. He's got wins over Dana Badengro and Ryan Benoit, both by decision. So I got to think that this is, with the level of competition we've seen Casey Kenny fight, especially in the grappling department, that that this is him leading the dance with the grappling here, right? Unless you're really high on Alatang. I'm not really high on Alatang, but I will say if I were if I were looking to like gamble some money on an underdog, I might sprinkle a little bit on Alatang here, just because he is like he appears to be a a pretty stud athlete. He has great hand speed, comfortability on the feet. Um, and Kenny, I think for, for everything that makes him exciting, his pace, his ground attack can be a little reckless sometimes. Um, that said, I, you know, I think, like you said, I think you put it perfectly. Casey Kenny's going to be leading the dance on the mat. Um, but don't be surprised if we see Alatang kind of come out of nowhere, land a big punch early or even at any point in the, in the fight. Um, cause I do think he's a guy who has some serious power for the weight class. Yeah, I, I think Casey Kenny's probably the the one way he could get really upset here is that if he he's a guy who likes to test his hands and is like to try out his hands lately, if, if he falls in love with them too much here, I could see him getting stung. But if he goes in with the game plan where he's just going to shoot takedowns, he's just going to scramble with uh, with Alatang repeatedly, I think he probably gets the best of those exchanges. I mean, he got the best of those exchanges with both Manny Bermudez and uh Ray Borg so if he could do that I'm high on him enough um I'm gonna take him to win here how do you like him to win if you're picking him I am and I like Casey Kenny by a submission but like I said man I think this is there's upset potential here just because Alateng has a path to victory yeah I do think it is one of the picks that I'm least confident in but I am gonna take Casey Kenny by submission as well and that brings us to our last fight, which is the absolute most miserable one to break down. And that's <laughs> Jessen, Jessen Ayari versus Luigi Vendramini. So Ayari, two-fight losing streak in the UFC, but let's let's get this straight. He's lost to Darren Till and Stevie Ray, which are pretty good. And then he took two years off. So we're getting him back after a two-year layoff. And then Vendramini also lost his debut. He's 0-1 in the UFC with a loss to Elizu Zaleski Dos Santos by flying knee. Also two years ago. So neither of these guys have fought since 2018. Both of them have lost a very high-level competition. What do you do to break down this kind of fight? I mean, you start by flipping a coin. Uh, <laughs> no. no, honestly, man, I mean, since they're both in, in such similar situations, clearly outclassed in their UFC competition up to this point, and, and so much time on the shelf, I like Ayari's size here. I think that's going to be a, a big difference maker. He's like six foot, and I think Vendramini is five foot eight. So if I have to just kind of pick based on based on that, I like Ayari's size. And I do think Ayari, I mean, he went the distance with Darren Till. That's worth something. Um but, yeah, like I said, start start with a coin flip, I think. <laughs> yeah, and I like Yari, too. And I like him because 
I know he's got that wrestling Sambo-y background that, that you come to see out of people from, I mean, he's originally from Tunisia, but like from people from that, that portion of Europe, he's got kind of that background you sort of expect. He's tough. Uh, and, and, you know, and what I saw of Vendramini when I did see him, which is, is albeit not very much, I wasn't super impressed in how he looked if he were to grapple. So I, I like probably Justin Ayari because I'd lean on the grappler when that kind of situation happens. Um, so if we're both picking Ayari, how do you go at, like him to win this fight? I like Ayari. Uh, I think by stoppage, just because once it's in in this level of fight, I think once it becomes clear one guy is better than the other, it's it's all downhill. So I like Ayari by stoppage. I'm not even entirely sure how. Probably TKO. Yeah, I'm gonna take him here by decision, just mostly because, like you said, it's a coin flip, and I feel safer picking it that way. So, uh, and that's gonna do it for the end of our third round. We gave you seven fights in just about 15 minutes, so we hope you learned something. I want to thank my co-host Benjamin Abrigo from Fanside and MMA for stopping by and helping me break these down. Thanks so much, man.